welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. continuing our series, Red Letter Questions, and uh, I believe there are over 130 questions that Jesus asked in the Bible, and uh, I would just encourage you to take a look at those questions. We are only going to be able to look at five or six or, um, you know, I'm kind of changing things as we go and looking at different questions, maybe for the last couple weeks, because there's so many good questions. Um, And I would just encourage you to go ahead, read the questions of Jesus, just Google, do a Google search for it, you'll find uh, at least 100, but I believe it's about 135 uh, the questions that Jesus asked. It'd be a great devotion time for you to just take time to read those and see what they speak to you and how they challenge you, those questions. Um, because how many know Jesus does not ask easy questions? Even when he asks an easy question, it's really not easy. Like um, I'm thinking about um, Luke chapter 8 where Jesus says, who touched me? Okay, Seems like an easy question, right? And you can imagine the disciples, you know, Jesus is walking in the crowd and he says, who touched me? And they're probably, you know, like, who's up for answering the question? You know, who's, who's got this one? You know, Peter's like, I got this one. It's an it's easy one. It's an easy one. Lord, the correct answer is all of the above. We are all touching you. Like everybody's touching you, correct? And God's like, no. Somebody touched me and I felt power go out from me. Who touched me? And Peter's like, Wrong again. All right. How many know? Even an easy question from Jesus is not an easy question. And uh, the question we're going to look at today, you can't afford to get wrong. You cannot afford to get wrong. It's too big of a question. It's not who touched me. It's not how are we going to feed these people. This is a big question. And you cannot afford to get this one wrong. Um, Because you have to get it right here on earth. You have to get it right while there are things on this earth distracting you. And yet you have to settle this question right now. You've got to grab this one. It's got to become part of you. And Jesus says this in Matthew 16, verse 26. He says, for what profit is it to man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And he doesn't just do one question. He throws in a bonus question right after it that's tied together. And he says, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And you got to understand, this is a biggie. This is a, a heavy. This is one, again, you have to get right. You could gain the whole world and lose your soul, and you lose everything. We're going to take a look at this, and I want to tell you this, that if you've not made this question right, if you've not answered, if you're not in right alignment with this one, at the end of the service at all of our campuses, you're going to have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ and make sure that you're not gaining all this over here and losing the one thing that really matters. 
And also, those of you that have made the decision for Jesus, you say, I know Jesus, I've already settled that. I want to tell you this, I believe that there will be an opportunity at the end of the service to get back on track. To get back on track. Because there's something that just pulls us away from the true value of what we should be living for. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And I want to give you the context of of where this question falls in. Because there's a, a, a ton here in Matthew 16. So I'll back up to verse 24. Matthew 16 and verse 24. Then Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works." This whole passage, this whole exchange between Jesus and his disciples, he's talking to them about, hey, I don't want you to just exist. You're not here on this earth to just exist. There's something bigger for you. And if you're going to grab the bigger, there's, there's something about grabbing the bigger and, and following me and being my uh, servant, being my child, being forgiven. He's saying there's something way bigger here. And in the first part of it, it almost could be another sermon. And we could even do a a sermon series on um, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. But let me just briefly, again, just to put the whole question in context, uh, dig into that for just a moment. Jesus says, if you're gonna be my disciple, if you're gonna follow me, you gotta deny yourself. If you're gonna do that, if you're gonna really say, I want you, Jesus, I really wanna follow you, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. He says, you have to deny yourself. You're gonna have to say no to yourself. You're gonna have to say yes to God. And really, when you deny yourself, you're saying, I dethrone myself and I put Jesus on the throne. He's first. He's the one that it's all about. And I'm going to deny myself. And one commentator said, if you think about it, Peter denied Jesus. He said, I don't even know him. And he said, if you put that in context now, you have to deny yourself and say, I don't even know Rob. It's not about Rob. It's about Jesus. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I need to start living in a way to say it's not about Rob, it's about Jesus. And how many know we live almost the opposite of that? We complain about first world problems. You know, got to reboot my computer. It was so slow. You know, they took so long at Starbucks. Man, I have no Wi-Fi. How am I going to live, you know? And I got to do like 87 pictures to get the angle perfect for the selfie. You know, like who's Rob? Rob's pretty important, apparently. He says, you have to, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Um, another sermon. All right, another sermon. Moving on. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. Luke adds to this scripture, take up your cross. He adds one simple word. He says, take up your cross Daily. Daily. Uh, make sacrifices, make sacrifices for your Lord and Savior. And, and, and I love that Luke adds daily to it um, because if you say, take up your cross, we're like, that's right. If God ever calls me to die for him, I will. I, I will. I will stand strong. But Luke makes you understand that when Jesus was saying this, he was like, take up your cross daily. Make daily sacrifices if you're going to follow him. Live the little moments and the big moments for God and, and deny yourself and, and make those sacrifices. 
That means your time, your leisure, your pleasure, your treasure. There's gonna be sacrifices involved in that. And he's saying, you know what? If you're gonna follow me, you gotta deny yourself. You gotta take up your cross. You gotta face the hardship and be loyal no matter what. And then he says, and then follow me. Follow me. And when we follow Jesus, we give him perfect obedience. We give him perfect obedience. And then he goes on and says, you know, if you wanna play it safe, playing it safe is not the right way. He's like, you got to be willing to lose everything to, to gain what really matters and don't sit back in life and say, is it the safe thing? Ask if it's the right thing. He's like, that's what my disciples do and that's the way you live. And, and he's talking to them and he's saying, what does it profit? Then he asks them that question, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? And when I read that question from Jesus, I think it implies this, that our soul is looking for something. Our soul is looking for something. Theologians have talked about this, that we have like a God-sized hole within us and we're looking to fill this hole. And so our, our soul is chasing after something. And I love what Pastor John Ortberg says about this. I found this in my studies. Uh, he, first of all, I'll define what soul is and then I'll give you a, a thought that he said. The soul is what integrates your will, okay, your intentions. It integrates your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, and your body into a single life. That's your soul. It, what's in, it's what integrates all of that into one, all right? And this soul, he says, the paradox of the soul is that it's incapable of satisfying itself. Your soul, my soul, it's incapable of satisfying itself, but it's also incapable of living without satisfaction. You were made for soul satisfaction. That sounds like a song, doesn't it? You were made for soul satisfaction, but you'll only ever find it in God. The soul craves to be secure. The soul craves to be loved. The soul craves to be significant. And we find these only in God in a form that can satisfy us. Your soul wants to be satisfied. And so Jesus says, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Like if you're chasing after all the wrong things, if you chase and chase and chase, and the thing is, I want to tell you this, if you don't find your satisfaction in God, you'll keep chasing and chasing and chasing, and you'll never be satisfied. You'll keep looking for more. You'll keep longing for more. You look at the richest people in the world, and they're like looking for more. They're trying to get more. I love it when Jim Carrey said, you know, I wish people could have everything they wanted in life and then realize that's not what they want. He's like, I've, I've attained everything I've wanted and I'm still not happy. I'll never forget when I read the Tom Brady quote and this guy's winning Super Bowls and married to a supermodel and all this stuff. And he's like, I got all this, but I'm still not happy. Like I'm looking for the more. Because your soul wants to be filled and so you keep going after it. And we all go after different things in all different ways. Some of them just look cleaner than other things, but they're still soul destructive. And we're chasing and chasing and chasing. And I tell you this, you'll chase all the way until you die. Because your soul just has to be satisfied, so you keep chasing. We don't know how to stop because we can't stop because the soul has to be satisfied. So we keep chasing and chasing and chasing. Even people that get off the grid, they're like trying to get off the grid and do less to be happy, and they're trying to do more of less to be happy. Does that make sense? It's like, I'm so doing less to be happy. 
I'm going to do less than less. I'm going to make my own food and recycle. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's like, and they're still looking for more. You just, you're just made that way. I realize this, like, we don't, we don't know how to say enough is enough. We're just going to chase our whole life. And I can think about it in my own life. I'm so glad that I found God. I really am. I'm glad that he found me. He, I found him, that we met, that, I, that he became my Lord and Savior. Because I am, like, I go after things. And I, I, I don't know how to say, you know, that's enough. I'm like, let's go do more and more and more. And I thank God my wife is keeping up with me. I'm like, do more and more. Let's, you know, I just remember back in art class, this is my first revelation that I did not know how to stop. The teacher said, make this mug out of clay and make the mug and we're gonna put it in the kiln and we're gonna, you know, do all that stuff and, you know, you're gonna glaze it and all that. And I was like making my mug and I had leftover clay and I'm making a mug for my dad. And I'm like, I got leftover clay. I gotta do something with it. So I made a smile face and eyes on his mug. And I'm like, I got leftover clay. And I didn't know like less is more, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, eyebrows, teeth, ears. <laughs> it wasn't a mug, it was an alien. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, and then paint, it's like blue, red, yellow, more paint, more paint, more glaze. And teacher's like, that's enough glaze. I'm like, but we got glaze left over, you know? <laughs> Pour glaze on glaze, you know what I'm saying? That's an indication of our soul. Like, I gotta get more, I gotta have more, I gotta have, I'm not satisfied. I need more, I need more, I need more. We keep chasing after things. And I wanna tell you this, the things of this world look better than they make you feel. The things of this world look better than they make you feel. And so you're like, oh, I need that. I gotta have that. And once you get it, it doesn't deliver, okay? And so the, the question that Jesus is asking is really hyperbole. He's really just, you really can't gain the whole world, but we try and he's really just trying to say like, your soul is trying to be filled and you're gonna chase after these things that won't matter. And he gives us insight into the value of our soul. And here's something I just want to share. I don't think we have a clue how valuable a soul is. I really don't think we have a clue how valuable our soul is, how, how valuable an eternal soul is that, that finds Jesus. At the end of service, we clap when people give their life to Jesus. But I still don't even think our, our clap would, it even comes close. It, it, it's like we don't have a clue how valuable a soul is. I mean, the Bible says we're made in God's image. That's value to the soul. I mean, I, I was trying to understand, and again, the, the sermon always works on me before it gets to you. And I was like, God, help me to understand the value of a soul. Help me to understand the value of a soul. And I've got a couple of things here to help you understand, because Jesus is saying, you can gain the whole world, and if you lose your soul, it, it's a bad exchange. It's a bad exchange. And, and to understand the value of a soul, something just rather humorous, I guess, in a way, but there's no movie depiction or song depiction of the devil ever making a deal for someone's possessions. It's always a deal for their soul. I mean, you think about it. It's never a movie where the devil says, hey, if you trade me your car, I'll give you a house. If you trade me your car, uh, I'll make you famous. You know, there's never a song, you know, that says, you know, the devil's trading something for a material possession. It's almost as if 
the world is understood or the devil understands that your soul's more valuable than you realize. I mean, I think of that great theologian, Charlie Daniels. <laughs> devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. Bet this fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you, right? It's not, it's not a better pile of gold against your truck, pickup truck. It's, it's, it's a soul. There's value. There's value. And Jesus sees the value in your soul. You need to see the value. You need to see the value of people that are far away from God that need to know him as Lord and Savior. You need to see the value of the least of these. You need to see the value of the, the people that some people call enemies. And God says they're lost children that I want to reach. There's value in those souls. I mean, I think about Jesus understands the value of your soul. Think about this. God did not send Jesus to this earth to mine for diamonds. Jesus didn't go to his disciples and say, hey, guys, I'm here. I got some insider information. I know where God buried the gold. I know where the diamond mines are. We're all going to South Africa. Come on, let's go. You know, they got some in India too. Thomas, you go get them. I mean, he's not like that. He's not thinking that. He doesn't come for gold or diamonds. God sends his son for souls to redeem us, to, to set people free. It, it's almost like God's like, why would I ever come to earth to get more pavement for heaven? Revelation 21 talks about that. The streets are paved with gold. He's like, why would I do that? There's no value there. And yet we chase our life. We try to gain gold and diamonds and stuff and status and things and popularity and power. And Jesus is like, no, you don't understand. The thing that matters is souls. The thing that matters is lost people. And Jesus comes to this earth and says, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll, I'll, I'll show you what's really valuable. He looks to the harvest. He sees the people. He says, the harvest was plentiful. The laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. Like, this is what it's about. It's about souls. It's about people. They matter. And if you, you can understand the the importance of the soul when you realize that people, 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter says this, he says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. I mean, isn't that amazing? It was an empty way of life, chasing after things. He says, let me read this again. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Every depiction we have is, is the devil is trying to trade stuff for your soul. And Jesus is saying, I'm trading my life for your soul. Do you understand how valuable your soul is? Do you understand how valuable you are? How, I mean, it's an amazing thing that God would send his son to die for us. We're unworthy. And yet he sends us his son. He says, you're valuable, you're loved. There's grace. Wow, mind-boggling. I mean, just to realize this, what it's taken. And I want to tell you this, nothing you could ever gain is worth your soul being lost. Nothing, nothing, nothing. You, you to have Jesus is everything. When you think about it, He's saying, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world and lost your soul? And if you understand, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, the Bible says you'll be separated from God. 
The Bible says that there's a place prepared. It wasn't even prepared, prepared for people. It's prepared for the devil and his angels called hell. This church believes that that place exists. Where it is, I don't know. But I was reading this and I, I'm gonna read it to you from Spurgeon because I even wrote in my notes like to read it to you. It's when I was studying, I was like, I don't think you'll have the courage to say it as hard as he did. And so I'm gonna read it to you. I'm gonna challenge my own self. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to gain everything and be separated from God. And I'll read what he says. He says, there is a place, I do not know where it is. It's somewhere, not in the bowels of this earth, I trust. For that were a sad thing for this world to have hell within its bowels. But somewhere, perhaps in a far off world, there's a place where the only music is the mournful symphony of damned spirits. Where howling, groaning, moaning, wailing, and gnashing of teeth make up the horrid concert. There is a place where demons fly swift as air with whips of knotted burning wire, torturing poor souls, where tongues on fire with agony burn the roofs of mouths that shriek for drops of water, the water that's all denied. There's a place where soul and body endure as much of infinite wrath as the finite can bear, where the inflictions of justice crush the soul, where the continual flagellations of vengeance beat the flesh, a place where the perpetual pouring out of the vials of eternal wrath scald the spirit, where the cuttings of the sword strike deep into the inner man. Sirs, I cannot picture this. Hell is horrible. It's no place for a soul. It's no place for a soul. And Jesus is saying, I, I died so you could have eternal life. I paid the price so that you could have forgiveness Anything you're chasing isn't worth it. Anything you're chasing isn't worth it. And if you don't know Jesus, anything you've been chasing to satisfy your soul isn't worth it. It's never gonna fill it, only Jesus. And if you know Jesus, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please don't get distracted. Please don't get distracted. Go back to what he said before. Follow me, deny, take up your cross, sacrifice, live differently, grab hold of real life, eternal life, live for what really matters, rescue more people, go after the souls. We get so easily distracted. And it's, it's easy for us to do if we're followers of Jesus Christ, because here's the thing, and, I, and I'm not trying to persuade anyone to follow Jesus with this statement, but when you get Jesus, this world makes sense. Okay? It's not your home, but it makes sense and you get on mission, and you have purpose, and you have meaning in your life, and then the things of this life, instead of asking them to deliver more than they can, you take it in context, and they deliver the appropriate amount of happiness. They, they deliver just a, a, a little sweetener to whatever you've got, but it's just a sweetener, and it's not the main thing, and, and all of a sudden, life becomes so much more enjoyable and it's, it's, it's just you find pleasure in the little things and God can speak to you looking at a flower and, and, and seeing a child smile and, and you just have these God moments and all of a sudden this earth just takes on a whole new level of, of joy to it but it's not your home and it doesn't, you, you're still longing for more and you say it's all about Jesus but I, I want you to understand that and in that context of getting Jesus and having your eternity settled and, and having purpose, all of a sudden this life, can, you can get distracted easy. It's like we're all spiritually ADD. How many know what I'm talking about? Like Jesus, you're everything. And that car too. 
Jesus, you're everything. And that new set of clothes, you know, Jesus, you're everything. And the cabin, you know, I mean, you just, we're just like, ah, we're, we're ADD. All right. And there's, there's nothing wrong with things. Those things are there and God's made everything for our good pleasure. And they, in, in context, man, we can live this life and enjoy it. But we should be longing for more and we should be trying to get people to change their trade-off. It's a bad trade to trade things of this earth and lose your soul. So all of a sudden you're back. And when you have real life, when you have real meaning, all of a sudden, how many of you know that money has meaning? Money has meaning. Now, instead of just money for stuff, money can make a difference. We can make a difference in Louisiana. We can make a difference in Swaziland. We can make a difference, you know, in Spain. We can make a difference around the world. 210 missionaries we're supporting, eight campuses, and all of a sudden we're growing. We're reaching kids. We're sending teens around the world to, to be on part of Kingdom Builder. Money has meaning, and all of a sudden, man, you're, you're making a trade, and the world's like saying, man, that's a bad trade. And you're like, no, you don't understand. This is a good trade. Man. I don't know how I'm going to use this, but I want to use it. I saw it when we were on, in, in Africa. I was walking by a store, and it said, uh, Bank of Zimbabwe. And I, I didn't know this about Zimbabwe, but in 1980, the Zimbabwe dollar was equivalent to an American dollar, all right? A dollar for a dollar. And uh, then hyperinflation hit Zimbabwe, and uh, they, they went crazy. And I have here a $50 million bill a $500 million bill, a $10 billion bill, a $20 billion bill. And if that's not enough, here's a $50 billion bill. $50 billion. How did you buy groceries? Because their economy went like crazy. And, and the thing that I was realizing as I looked at these notes and I bought, I just, I was like, I'm buying those notes. That's gotta be something for me. God was like, hey, Invest what you have in what really matters, souls. Man, someday that all could be gone. Hyperinflation could hit. This could happen. Invest it while you can. Be a kingdom builder. Tithe. Do whatever you can. And, and bring, don't chase after the things that don't matter. Take what you have and give for what matters. Amen. I can tell you this. When you're living for what really matters, all of a sudden money is just a tool that you can exchange to help people find Christ. And you're like, man, this is awesome. I will make all I can. I'll keep what God lets me. I'll give all the rest and I will really live. Wow, that's grabbing a hold of it. And I'm telling you this, um, when you really have life, when you really have life, when you really get it, when you grab hold of God and you've made this exchange, you say, it's not, my soul will not be satisfied with things of this earth, but it's gonna be satisfied in Christ. I'm telling you, again, your, your hours make sense. Your sacrifice makes sense. Your suffering makes sense. And again, I just, whatever it costs you to follow Jesus, it's an amazing deal. Whatever it costs you. Whatever it costs you. Disciples are like, hey, we left homes and this and that. Whatever it costs you to follow Jesus, it's an amazing deal. And I will guarantee you this. Within moments of getting into eternity, you will say, it was worth 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, a million times, a billion times, 50 billion times. You will, the moment you get into eternity. So if that's gonna be your reality then, let's grab a hold of the reality now. Let's take a, a look at that question. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? 
What, you, what could you give in exchange? You can't give anything in exchange. But here's the thing. Jesus gave his life in exchange. And he said, you can have forgiveness. You can have eternal life. You can stop living for what will never fill you with what will never satisfy you and really find life. So here at all of our campuses, I'm going to ask that we'd bow our heads right now and have this moment. We're going to have a moment now to be able to give our life to Jesus Christ, to say, I want to make this exchange. My soul can only find satisfaction in Jesus Christ, and I want to make this exchange right now.